A Merry Christmas and holidays to all who celebrate the holiday season from your favorite sports podcast. I'm getting a shake of the head from my co-host. He hates it. I love it. It's a holiday episode coming at you of Teen Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor. As always, with my co-host Vladdy, who is giving me a wide mouth grin. Right I don't. Now. I don't hate it. I just hated the sound that you made. That was the <laughs> scariest. For the first two hoes of that were the scariest. Like they, it wasn't even hoes. It was just like, uh, uh, it was. It was, was kind of like just some, like some caveman grunting. It wasn't a word, but mm. more correct. It's the holiday season. Um, kind of. This is the this is the one week a year where my company shuts down. I've been a I've been a vegetable for the week. I'm gonna be a vegetable for the rest of the week. I get the Monday off of work as well, so that's a nice little 10, 11 day break that I'm walking into. So I don't know if you even asked me how I'm doing, but that's how I'm doing. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's uh it's also the holiday season for me. No school. Been working a bit this week, but no school has been to not have to stress about doing school before or after the show on a Wednesday night as we're recording is a great feeling. I have that for the next week or so. Um, yeah, as similar to you, though, I'm someone who gets bored of doing nothing pretty fast. And basically Saturday through Tuesday, yesterday, I did pretty much nothing. And I'm kind of over it. You know, I basically... Um, Watch sports and ate Christmas cookies for four straight days, and I'm ready, ready to get back out into the real world, um, as they say. And also, good to be talking with you. Um, yeah, I, I and think not my family. You know, I think uh, a kind of interesting point to what you just said is, as we get older, we're not really content with the whole "oh, let's play some video games and let's like scroll through some Instagram reels." Like I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I bought a couple games for my Xbox over the holidays and like I tried playing them like I'll get like an hour into it and I'm just like, all right, cool. Like I've lost interest in this. And it's like you just bought this game. You've been playing for an hour. You're getting into the story mode of it and now you want to quit. And it's like, yeah, well, I just don't have interest anymore. Like the continuous, you know, if, if you know that, if you know what I'm saying. No, I know exactly what you're saying. It's I. It's, I don't want to call myself I have a hard time wasting time because I have a really good time wasting time uh, and I'm really good at it. But like to do it deliberately for a full day, four days on end, I don't know. But at the same time, it's nice to actually reset the battery. So there's give and take with the whole holiday season and the lifestyle that is for you know, the 10 days that it is every year. I see. So. I see. What? Let's get into it. We've got a college football playoff preview as the games will be happening next Monday, or I guess this Monday, however you want to consider that. We've got last last week's NFL, and as I mentioned last week, we are going to talk about the Pistons. Um, I guess let's just jump right into it because it's not, it's yeah. not a football topic. They've done it. They broke the single season losing streak record, um, 27 games in a row with a kind of a funny loss last night, but they will head to Boston now where they will tie the all-time losing record of 28 games in a row because they're not going to beat the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are much better than them. And then after that, they are they come back home to play the Toronto Raptors for a chance to A, break the NBA all-time record, and B, 
Ty, as I was just telling you before we started, tie the all-time record for losses in American pro sports, which would tie 29 consecutive losses done by the Chicago Cardinals during World War II. So kind of some kind of some hollowed ground, I know. We haven't talked about them a lot, or the Pistons a lot, because at the beginning of this losing streak, the Pistons were kind of at that Tiger stage at the beginning of the season where, like, no one wants to talk about bad, but when you get to historically bad, yeah. that's when you start talking about historically bad. And so they're getting there. They're going to get there. And I hope they keep getting there. I hope they lose 45 in a row. It's hilarious. You've got sell the team chance. Tom Gores is coming out with statements trying to trying yeah. to say that the fans are in the wrong for asking him to sell the team. You've got Troy Weaver, who's not a real human being. Cade Cunningham looks like he's going to cry on the floor every single night at the end, and I don't blame him. It's where where do you want to start with this team? Yeah, I, I think my first statement is they found a way to be so bad that people are interested in them again, and that's pretty hard to do in professional sports, like you said. Uh, a good comparison with the Tigers is how we don't really talk about them because when you're bad, people don't want to talk about you. But when you're this bad, it's fun to talk. It's it it's arguably the next best thing to talking about a winning team, which we'll do a little later. Uh, a team that also uh, made a historically good stat for the city of Detroit this past week holiday weekend. Um, I don't know. I it's for me a lot of this starts with Tom Gores. I, I hate I hate the little beat writer thing he did over the holiday on the 23rd like kind of calling out fans saying why are you asking me to sell the team just be patient and everything and no i don't think we have a right for you to be paid you he bought the team and i believe it was 2011 and those 12 years they've made the playoffs twice they haven't won a single playoff game in those two appearances um aside from that they've been the bottom of the barrel of the league and with this current roster, he's had essentially two summers to put competent NBA players around him to spend the money to. He's a top five richest owner in the league. He's worth about nine billion dollars. That's about <laughs> that's the fifth richest owner in the league. And he spent over a hundred million dollars on a signing. We won't count Blake Griffin trade because a lot of that was retained, and, and I don't know what the actual percentages of what was and what wasn't retained were. He spent over $100 million on a signing one time, and that was Andre Drummond, who had more rebounds than points in the four seasons he played following that contract on average. You simply just aren't going to win if you don't spend. And we could talk about salary floors and uh, competitive balance. I, I wrote a blog about it in baseball and how it's one of the problems with all these huge spenders like the Dodgers have uh, and how there's teams like the Oakland Athletics who spend – uh, less than what Shohei Otani will make on their entire roster. Uh, and that's not good at all. But to have the money and choose not to invest in it, to rely on revenue sharing, to rely on what he can milk out of a poor business is just not what professional sports are about. And I understand it is a business, but wouldn't you think spending money and investing in your product and your business would have some kind of capital return, not only for you, but for the community of Detroit. He's all about helping the community of Detroit. Well, a better Pistons team and a better product and a better business around the Pistons would mean a better product and a better 
livelihood for the community of Detroit, which you so uh, apparently are more concerned with than actually winning basketball games. So that's that's my Tom Gores. Yeah, no, I mean, prime example of what you just said is you look at the Golden State Warriors. 12 years ago, they were not bottom of the barrel. They were still running around with Monte Ellis and Baron Davis. Like they played, they made some playoffs, but they were not one of your premier franchises in the sport. You yeah. turn good, you win four titles. And I think once you, you you have to take away the Knicks because the Knicks, the Knicks valuation in the Lakers and the Celtics, like those valuations yeah. are historical. The Golden State and market based. Yeah. The the Golden State, I mean, San Francisco, the Bay Area is not exactly Oklahoma City. But I no. guess what I was saying is yeah. when you build a long-term winner and when you're successful over a decade, the money value comes with it. I think I was looking at it. The Golden State Warriors are the fourth most valuable franchise in basketball, which if you went back 12 years ago, 14 years ago, I, can, I don't know this also bad. You put a gun to my head, I can guarantee you they wouldn't be. Yeah. That's what that's what winning does to you. Um he continuously makes the wrong moves, which is kind of funny because he, I mean, he hired Stan Van Gundy, joke. Yeah. He hired Troy Weaver, joke. Yeah. yeah I mean, tr- the fact that Troy Weaver still has a job and like not only has a job, is he still has this vote of confidence from where it's like, oh, we have to, we have to, we have to see our vision through. We gave him an eight year contract. I think it was six, but let me rant. We gave him a 45-year contract. He needs to see out all 45 of those years. Like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Fire the dude. And this, let's get to the next guy. Troy Weaver, by statistics, is the worst general manager in American sports history. Mm. And his fetish for former top or for former lottery pick busts who are on their third team in two years, his fetish for big men who cannot shoot, his fetish for guards who can't shoot. His fetish for wings who can't shoot. You, you haven't put together the, the the theme of Troy Weaver. He, in 2023, has surrounded Cade Cunningham with a team that cannot shoot. And you <laughs> cannot win basketball games if you do not shoot. And it, the, the best part about all that is he actually had one shooter, Sadiq Faye, that was drafted. And he traded him away straight up for the worst player in NBA history, in James Wiseman. Mm. Troy Weaver is a bum. And the fact that he doesn't speak, no one knows who he is. No one knows what he yeah. looks like. He, same with Tom Gores. Tom Gores, has Tom Gores ever been to Michigan? I'm not sure. It's a good question. I don't know. So the entire the and that we'll get to the players after because like at the end of the day the players do play the games tom gores and troy weaver are not running around on the floor for 48 minutes a night yeah these players are pathetic i mean these veteran presence guys alec burks joe harris bogdanovich is all right i guess i mean come on it's Julian hayes Killian Hayes isn't even really a veteran, but yeah. Killian Hayes is he might be the worst shooter in NBA history. Um that's not really good when you plan to start him alongside Cade Cunningham because then it's four on five on offense every single time you have the ball. Um you mean Jaden Ivy, cool. Uh, I mean it's year two. Cut his dreadlocks. Doesn't look like the Jaden Ivy that we would see at Purdue for a couple years. Don't see much out of him. Again, great athlete, but can't shoot. 
and that like he wasn't a great shooter at Purdue nope. either. No, he was. I think he was. He had. I think he had just made his way in this. I th- was, did he play two or three years at Purdue? I forget. Two. Okay. Yeah, in his, huge I think sophomore. in his second season, he had like just crept up over thirty percent from college, which is obviously different than shooting from further away in the NBA. Asar Thompson, you know, cool twitchy guy. You know, can can jump all over the place. Freak athlete. Shoots fourteen percent from deep. Ugh. That's pathetic. I'm sorry, Asar Thompson's still a basketball player, and he didn't ask to get drafted fifth overall. You got to learn how to shoot if you want to play basketball in 2023. Yeah. The only guy who's allowed to not be able to shoot, and you can have one, maybe two of these on a team, is a rim protector. Jalen Duren is the only guy on this team who should be allowed to not shoot or to not know how to shoot. Mm-hmm. And even then, I would say, listen, man, it's 2023. Get your ass on the free throw line, and why don't you take some. Why don't you take some threes at practice once in a while? See what happens. And yeah. The players are pathetic. The coach is a corpse. I mean, th- this got to be one of the funniest contracts ever. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking specifically coaches, it's probably the worst. If you're talking about players as well, it's probably up there. He the is coach- the seventh highest paid coach in all of sports right now. That's a joke. Highest in the NBA. Yeah. Joke. GM joke, owner joke, and yeah, I mean the the funniest part about all this is this is the most attention, and this this is the best this is the best it's going to be for Tom Gorse. He's got people going to these games. I was I was watching that arena was damn near sold out last night. Yeah, yeah. And people want to see the record. You're playing into his hands by giving him money. No wonder he's not going to sell the fucking team. You that's the, that's the one thing that I feel like think that fans sometimes are kind of not say losers, but are just like not lost even. on the concept of is you can go there and chant all you want, and that does help. Like that, that does turn into a story when you have sell the team chants droning out stadium speakers. But you wanna you wanna make an NBA franchise or any type of franchise. You wanna know how a business changes things when it stops Ignore doing them. well. Yep. When it doesn't make money anymore, that's when the business change changes. Keep right, but how much does it have to change when clearly this is like the model right now can't be anywhere near as profitable as you would think, or he can look around at other teams in the league and I don't I'm not sure if there's revenue sharing in the NBA. <clears throat> but He's essentially chosen to just put band-aids on a bleeding out business model. In hiring these big name coaches, Van Gundy, Dwayne Casey came off an NBA championship with the Raptors, big deal, and they hired him, didn't do anything in Detroit. Now Monty Williams comes from Phoenix, big name, Uh, obviously hasn't done shit. He's won two games in... (laughs) Well, and now has a historic record for the most. Also, let me name some professional sports coaches that get paid more money than Monty Williams. Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season in over 15 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nick Saban, arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. Andy Reid, who's third all time in wins in NFL history. Kirby Smart, who won two national championships in the last three seasons. Bill Self, 
I guess all these names are cool too, but they're not quite as powerful. Another national champion. Uh, and then the next highest paid coach makes a full three and a half million dollars per year less than him. The only coach that makes more than him is Greg Popovich. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun. It's a nice, cool rant. Um, I'm sorry. I, I know that's not really where you were going, but I, I can feel my blood pressure rising. I don't want to keep talking about this. So okay. we'll mention the Pistons again whenever the streak breaks. Uh, and then we probably won't talk about them again until ever because yeah. this is the worst draft in NBA history. So I'm not going to sit here and talk about some dude whose pro comparison is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Not going to do that. And we'll, we'll do some NBA stuff when the playoffs come around. Um, the, and the only the, the last thing that I want to talk about with the streak that's funny is when you're playing these bad teams, I think we had this talk with maybe you or some other people. People are like, oh, yeah, you know, the Pistons are bound to win a couple games eventually because – teams will rest their starters against them. Now that they've gotten to historically bad status, and one of the Nets players alluded to this, I, I don't think it was Cam Johnson, it was someone else, but he basically said, everyone knows what's going on, and no one wants to be the team that loses to the worst team ever and lets Good that point. streak end. So you're not getting the you're not getting the baby treatment anymore. You're not going to have stars. Be, you're not going to necessarily sit out, but you're not going to get these free passes where if you're 10 and 40 – and you win one and lose five and win one and lose five, it's different. You're terrible, but you're not playing for history. No one wants to No one wants to be the team that got the streak broken on them. I have no idea when the streak will end. I'm not, I'm not sure it will end, and that would be the greatest thing ever. 280. That would be so, that yeah, would be so hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right, where do you want to go to next? Uh, college. Let's, let's go college. Okay. All right. College football preview playoffs. I, I am taking notes for this. This should be one of the funner years. Funner is not a word. I know I'm just going to say it. Most fun years for this because I had two games where I genuinely struggled to pick the winner. Uh, I had scores and winners that I did end up deciding. Um, it's also funny looking back at it because I forgot a lot about these teams because it's been three weeks now since we've watched them and my my brain has been so consumed by other sports stories. But uh, we'll start with Washington versus Texas, the two versus three game. Uh, Texas is a four point favorite. Um, I don't, I'll let you start. You can pick either team, I guess, before we kind of do our predictions on the actual result. I'm sorry, I completely blanked out. Um, Washington, Texas, right? Yep. Okay, I'm, I apologize. I was I was in space cadet land. Um, I mean, with the game, I think this will be the higher scoring game of the two, just That's based right. on the way that the teams are, the way they operate, what their philosophies are. Texas, Texas lost Jonathan Brooks. Um, the, the TCU game, I think, in late November, but... Quinn Ewers is healthy. I know there was a moment where we were talking about Texas kind of tripping and falling their way through some wins. He's back and he's healthy. They still got playmakers, Xavier Worthy. You've got the team, you've got the just the, the star power. You've got that massive offensive line that went into Tuscaloosa and bullied an Alabama team, which yep. never happens. So you, you've got that. And on the other hand, we've talked about Washington, Michael Penix, sensational, three NFL receivers, Dylan Johnson, who's been sh who's kind of been in all of their shadows, who's been sensational in his own right. The defense, which 
while they're, that's what they're not known for, I feel like when I watch that Washington defense, they make some plays. Yep. We've seen them in those two barn burners with Oregon. We know they can play the close game. We know they can win the close game. I think this is going to be a sensational game. Um, I probably am going to lean Washington. However, I am definitely aware of the fact that Texas is kind of built like the Michigan and Alabama teams where if they get ahead of you and it turns into a two-possession game, they'll just lean on you like Tyson Fury does in fights, and it'll just be run, 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 run. And then your offensive line is – or your your defense and your defensive line and your front seven, they're going to break. And by the fourth quarter, they're going to be gassed on sipping on oxygen tanks. And it'll be six yards per carry for Texas. I, I We've seen teams do it before. However – I think Washington gets ahead and they kind of take the game script and say, you have to play our game, not we have to play your game. And I think Texas went, or I think Washington wins. Yeah, I, this is, I had so much trouble with this because I really think you can look and go either way on this. Um, I, I, you did a good job breaking it down. Texas, I think, is better in, as far, far as uh, skill position guys. It might be the best skill position guys between running back, wide receivers, uh, and quarterback that Washington has seen all year besides maybe Oregon. Um, the issues, I think, Texas defensive-wise are the are in the secondary, which I think Washington uh, with Phoenix can exploit that. Obviously, they're the running gun style, and he's thrown the ball around the yard against pretty much everybody. Uh, it is also probably the best front seven that they've seen all year. Uh, and if they can't speed them up and kind of go at their own pace, I do have some worries about Phoenix not, you know, swinging the ball around the yard, like I just said. Uh, but it comes down to, I think, uh, for, I'm also going to take Washington in a I, – I had the final score as 38-35 uh, Washington – uh, I think it's going to be close, a one-score game. Washington's on a 20-game win streak. Uh, in the last two seasons, Texas is 5-6 and six in one-score games. Hmm. Washington is 10-1. and one. In the last two seasons, Washington is 9-0 and oh versus ranked teams. Texas is 5-5. Five and five. Interesting. I think when it really boils down to it, I think Washington knows how to win. They're a veteran team. This coach, DeBoer, is a winner everywhere he's gone. And if this thing does stay close, and you mentioned the leading on factor that Texas does have, they do have the big guys up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, I mentioned the defense, but also offensive line, like you said, that if this game is close, I trust Washington because of that. those stats I just read off. I like it. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I know we've kind of been the – the East Washington fan club here on this side yeah. of Mississippi all season. So maybe some of this is an emotional pick rather than a rational one, but I, I, I'm going to go with Washington. They, they have not, they have not killed me yet. And we'll see what happens. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be the second game, which is rather unfortunate because they'll probably end at midnight like last year. And I got work the next day, so that's not yeah. cool, but what are you going to do? But getting to, Getting to what I think, if you take away last year's Georgia OSU game, at least in my opinion, this is probably the most anticipated college football semi we've had ever. Um, 
Yeah, has an SEC played each other in the semis? Not off the top of my head. His who? Has an have two SEC teams played each other? In, no, because Bama Georgia met in the final, and other than no. that, I don't think multiple teams have gone. Yeah, oh. yeah, as far as the semifinal, yeah, maybe uh, one of those Clemson Ohio State Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields yeah, games. I but... the first one. The first one was great, kind of when both teams were riding, and it wasn't like the because the COVID year was tough because OSU had only played six games. Yeah. In any case, that's what we're yeah. talking about. We're here to talk about this one. Um, you've got what we've called the best team in America all season playing against the most desperate team in America. Alabama played with a fire under their ass for three and a half months. Yep. Because they were they were two and one or three and one. I forget what week the Texas game was, and it turned into winner, you're dead. Winner, our seniors are sitting out. And that's what they did. You've got two teams who I think match up similarly. In yep. the run first mentality, the sensational defenses. And I guess I'll kind of start with Alabama specifically because I'm just going to give credit to what, what Nick Saban and what Jalen Milrow have done, completely transforming that player from someone that we sat there and laughed at in September and October as a guy who cannot hit a can't hit water out of a boat. And now I'm not sitting there saying that they turned him into a prime Drew Brees and now he's hitting every receiver in stride. But they've tailored game plans, and they've made Jalen Milrow so much more effective. They made him a genuine threat. They're kind of letting him run a little bit more. They're letting him air it out with the deep ball. You've mentioned it all the time. He has a sensational deep ball. And they're, he's, he's playing incredible. How much of that was desperation of, oh, my God, we need to keep winning to get to the playoffs, and then how much will there be a letdown now that they are there? I don't think so. Nick Saban doesn't allow those kinds of things to happen. And then you get to Michigan. We know what Michigan is. They're going to Michigan. They're going to run the ball. They're going to do what we just said about Texas. It's going to be Blake Corum for five yards, Blake Corum for five yards, Blake Corum for five yards. And the next series will be Donovan Edwards for five yards. And then Donovan Edwards for five yards. And they're just going to continue to run it on you. And then you're going to get tired. And that's when the creases open up. Um, This game for me is – so incredibly difficult to predict because out of honestly even both quarterbacks I don't know what I'm going to get when one of them is forced to throw because JJ McCarthy has not been forced to throw all season because they've always been ahead and Jalen Milrow hasn't really been forced to throw and when he has he hasn't looked great so I am very curious I don't know what to do I mean if I had to give a prediction I will stick with what I've said the entire season. I will go with Michigan. But I could I could not tell you what's going to happen in this game. And that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah, I think it boils down to Jalen Milrow against a very good Michigan defense that has not seen anything remotely similar to what Jalen Milrow is going to be this season. They haven't seen a quarterback that can throw the deep ball like him. They haven't seen a quarterback that can run like him. They have not seen a threat like that this season. Can I say one? Like, this is not necessarily this is not a slight at Michigan because you only play who's ahead of you. Can I make the argument they haven't seen a quarterback all season? Yeah. Because yeah, they didn't play anyone in the non-conference. Kyle McCord sucks, and Drew Aller is somehow yeah. worse than Kyle McCord. Yeah. So. Is is the is the genuine argument there that little Tua was the best QB they played? Probably, all year? 
Probably. Yeah. Yikes. Which <laughs> and which to to even be that, even if Jalen Milrow's not the best quarterback you've seen all year, he's so different than any Big Ten pocket yep. passer you've seen all year that I think if that gives Michigan trouble, they are in for a long, long night. If they can if they can somehow keep that within check and you you know maybe he's going to break off for his his runs every once in a while but keep it in check their defense should have no problem i think the secondary wise the way they can stop the run off of running backs at least inside mm-hmm. with some of the guys they have up there um that if they can keep Jalen Murrow in that pocket i think they're fine and i think this game could go either way but i worry for michigan's sake about what happens if he does get out of the pocket? What happens when he makes plays that you haven't seen before? What happens when they run plays you haven't seen before or looks that you haven't seen before because he is so good? That's what I really worry about the most. Um, with that said, though, J.J. McCarthy, I, it's a quarterback game. J.J. McCarthy has to play the game of his life to win this game for me. It's going to be the best secondary he's seen all season. That's the strength of Alabama's defense. Uh, I he's got Zach Zinter gone from the O line. The O line hasn't been quite as dominant as it has it was last year, although it has been you know the best in the Big Ten. Not saying much this year, though, in my opinion. Um, but he's got to be able to throw the football because they're not going to beat Alabama just doing the run game thing. I know it's been effective. I know Blake Corum's had you know maybe not the season last year, but has had a good season. Donovan Edwards has not had a good Oh, season. he fell off a cliff. I, don't, I, I don't know. I was talking about him going five yard, five yard, five yard. I'm pretty sure he's averaging like two yards per carry. I don't know it's what like happened three. to him. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he's a guy great. He, he seems kind of like the opposite of Corum. Corum's a great running back. Just doesn't necessarily have the pure athleticism uh, or body of a running back where Donovan Edwards is a big, strong back who, who's a great quick athlete, but doesn't necessarily possess the, uh, football vision that maybe a Blake Corum has. And I think that's been highlighted this year. Uh, so it's it, JJ McCarthy is not going to be able to throw zero passes in the second half and win this game. I, think. I know Michigan's a team that can lean on teams. Like we talked about Texas. So is Alabama. They're not going to be able to do that against Alabama. This game is going to be too close, too low scoring, I think. Uh, and I think Jalen Milrow is the difference as far as being different and providing something that maybe Michigan hasn't seen and can't stop. I have Alabama winning this game 24-14. Oh, you're making it that see I figured if there's what it was if there's going to be a game where someone is going to win by multiple possessions, it'll be the the the, the later game just because you have offenses there that are high powered. I, yeah. Like may, maybe I'm giving too much credit or too little credit to offenses and defense here. I don't see how one of these teams goes up by multiple possessions. I think this is going to be like a, a nice throwback blast from the past game of just smash mouth football. And yeah. I mean, it's at the Rose Bowl. You know, the, I think Michigan, Alabama, kind of two historic brands in Pasadena. You're going to get you're going to get their favorite sunset shot that they love at the third quarter chills yeah it's it's gonna be great i cannot wait for this combination and this shouldn't be a factor but you just named off all the circumstances who would you rather be the coach in this game for your team who do you trust more in this game nick saban nick saban 
seven-time national champion or Jim Harbaugh? Who thinks chickens are scared birds and won't? No, he he retracted that statement. He he rocks with chickens now. He likes he likes. I bet he likes chickens, but he has not won a playoff game. Who do <laughs> no, you look, trust? That listen, game? You're, you don't mess with my head on this. I'm sticking with Michigan just because I've stuck with I, kind of like Washington. I, they've been my they've been they've not been my team, but they've been a team I've seen and believed in what I've seen for this long. I'm not going to change it, but you're absolutely correct. You put a gun to my head and said, who do you trust more? It's Nick Saban. You'd have to be stupid to say otherwise. Yeah. And I, and I hate that I had to bring this up as a factor because it should be this year's teams who these, you know, two teams and programs are going to throw on the field and how they coach and play with the teams they have this year. But that has to be in the back of your mind. Yeah, and that no, has to be in the back of Jim Harbaugh's mind. That's, that's a valid argument. I can, I cannot dispute that. Um, Again, just kind of to wrap it up, you mentioned that this is going to be the probably the best college football playoff we've had. All four teams will sit there and genuinely believe they have a shot to win a national title. That's never happened because in the past we had three super teams or two super teams and two teams that just got lucky to be invited to get their shit rocked. So this will be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. My national champ. Oh, I guess we, we'd be able to. There'll be a week in between. Yeah, so. we will get to we will get to recap it and then talk about the Natty next week. Okay, moving on to the professional league. Yes, where do you want to start with this? Uh, I figured we'd do Lions last and then do our typical segments first. All right. Surprise of the week. So this isn't even a of the week thing. I'm going with Baker Mayfield. Okay. So, I remember. I'm old enough to remember myself coming onto this podcast and kind of saying, what are the Bucs doing? They've got no shot to win meaningful games. And to an extent, while that might be true, because, yeah, they're probably going to win their division, but you expect them to lose the first game of the playoffs. Baker Mayfield has been great this year. Not even good, not even like quietly good. He's been great. I'm going to read you some stats. I'm going to ask you to tell me which players these are. QB1 has 3,600 yards. 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. QB2 has 3,900 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Which QB is which? QB1 is Patrick Mahomes, or QB2 is Patrick Mahomes. QB1 is Baker Mayfield. Yes, 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 yes. Now, that's just – he's doing exactly what they needed him to do, which is, Baker, go out there. You've got some weapons. I'm not I'm not gonna say game manage because you don't drop twenty-six and eight game managing, or you, you kind of do, but yeah. it's a don't be stupid, don't be Jameis Winston. We don't need 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. We don't need you to throw for nine thousand yards like a prime Peyton Manning. Just go out there and win games for us. And they've done that. They're they're in position to win their first division titles. I say first division title, I'm sure the Brady teams won them, but they're in position to win a division title. Now, I guess someone had to win the NFC South, but beat out the Falcons, beat out the Saints. They're in, they're 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 on their way to doing that. And I'm just I'm gonna give him credit because Baker Mayfield for a very long time was the pinata of the league. It was everyone pick up a stick and take your turn. Everyone loved to make fun of him. So I give him a lot of credit. Um, the last thing before I turn over to you is I was looking at some comeback player of the year odds. And obviously, DeMar Hamlin was first because he died on the field and then came back. 
And like, that's pretty cool. But if you're talking about true coming back to play meaningful football, I'd give it to Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And the weird thing about Baker Mayfield is he was the best thing the Browns had had in decades. Yep. And they gave up on him so quickly. And he had really had the results. I think he only made one playoff appearance, but he had had that's. They won, but they, they won, won a playoff game. game, which was unheard of for the Browns. No, and they kind of gave up on him, maybe gave him the short end of the stick there. And then he goes to Carolina, which is, you know, we're watching Jeff Bryce Simmons. Young go through it right now. It's a tough situation to play in and, yep. and a tough quarterback. And then he gets a quick stint with the Rams, and he doesn't look horrible to end last no, season. And, uh, and maybe he's just not bad and kind of got a rough end of yeah. the stick being average. And now he's playing the best football yeah. since he was a Brown. The, the only thing I'll say about the Browns and like – they didn't just give him the short end of the stick. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this. I forget which year it was. They willingly threw him out there with a messed up shoulder mm-hmm. when he was when he was hurt That's... towards the end of the season. They didn't yeah. just give him the short end. Of the stick. They ran him over with a bus yeah. before before trading for Deshaun. So that was it, it's asinine to me, kind of how they treated him. And you know, I mean, they're ten and five despite Deshaun Watson. So you know what? Maybe the Browns have the last laugh because they're also be in the playoffs, but. Good for Baker Mayfield. That, that's all I can say. Yeah. My surprise of the week is the Steelers putting up 34 points with a young Mason Rudolph. Did you say young I, Mason Rudolph? No, I was just kind of like making a joke. But, oh, okay. <laughs> Mason Rudolph is a weird one because I feel like you don't usually know who third string quarterbacks are. Uh, and obviously he has this kind of moment in fame with the Miles Garrett incident. Um but to come back, you know, years later, still be on the roster and come deliver this game uh to beat the Bengals. Uh and and really look dominant. I know this is kind of the George Pickens game. Uh he can finally, I guess, have something to talk about. I think George Pickens will let you know about that he did and had this game forever. Um but the Steelers are not dead yet. Mike Tomlin's I stay above 500 and get nine wins is still alive with this one. <laughs> um, and I'm, on the other side, I am kind of glad there were a couple plays made by uh, Jake Browning in this one that I think you know. We don't have to have this stupid debate of maybe Jake Browning's the guy like thing, like he was bad finally, uh, and we know he is not the guy. Yeah, backups, backups, backups are backups for a reason. I'll talk about this when we get to the Lions, but yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned the the funny the the running joke that we have kind of with some of our friends is the Matt Canada list offense. It finally yeah. showed up. Yeah. Couple of George Pickens long touchdowns. Kind of just some just some entertain it was an entertaining football game, and that's not something the Steelers have played. So good for them. No, no. Yeah. I also I don't know if you saw they're sticking with Rudolph for now. They said that Kenny Pickett's coming back and they're going to stick with Mason Rudolph. They're going to go with the hot hand. I like it. Uh, Kenny Pickett, good guy, not a good quarterback. In my Agreed. So. Agreed there. Um, game of the week. Um, I don't have too much to say here. I know there were some close games. I just didn't really think many of them were great. I went with the Dolphins and the Cowboys. In the I battle. had that too. Yeah, I went with the guys in the battle of the teams who can't ever beat other good teams or other teams with winning records. One of them had to win it. I guess yep. cool for the Dolphins. I mean, they were playing with a half-assed offensive line. Tyreek Hill was he hundred percent? We're not sure. And they put themselves in a position where if you win one of your two remaining games, you're, you've won your division. 
they play the Baltimore Raven. I almost said Orioles. I, I can't. I, I'm glad huh. I caught myself. But they play the Ravens coming up next, and they've got they've got a realistic shot at the one seed. I'm yeah. pretty sure. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure if the the Dolphins have five losses. I'm sorry. I'm 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 sitting here thinking out out loud. Uh, no, I think the Raven or the Dolphins are in a position where if they win out and finish 13 and four, they get the one seed. So. They've still got all of their goals ahead of them. I know we've talked about in the past how important it is for them to play warm weather games because what happens to Tua and what happens to that type of offense and that type of finesse team when you go into the snowstorms and the cold. So everything they need to do is ahead of them. With that said, their schedule, um, Ravens, Bills, back-to-back, Yeah, that's not fun (laughs) in the slightest. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. Hopefully they can pick one of them off, win that division, and fend off the Bills. Because the Bills, as dead as they were four weeks ago, if the Bills go 2-0 with their remaining two games, they could win the division, assuming the Dolphins lose uh, to Baltimore. So yeah. there's still so much to play for the AFC. Um, NFC, not as much. It's kind of just a just a contortion or concoction of what bad, teams, yeah, bad teams fighting for the seventh seed at this point. So, what are we? What, it's interesting to say. Um, I'll let you. I know you said it's also your game of the week. I'll, I'll let you kind of give your take on it. Yeah, I think this was huge, more important for Miami to win this than it was, you know, maybe for the the fraud bowl that it was called, and it, for the Cowboys to lose. I don't think it says as much about them uh, as it does about the Miami Dolphins winning this game to go in. Um, and like you said, banged up O-line, Tyree Kill, not 100%. Offense wasn't going to score 40 against a good Cowboys defense. Uh, and they find a way to win against a good opponent. That's something they haven't done, you know, the, the last the, the two years of the Mike McDaniel experiment where they have been relevant, I guess you could say, is something they haven't done is win these types of games. And, you know, if you want to win playoff games like Miami Dolphins faithful, do they should want to win a Super Bowl with the roster they have? Um, you got to win these types of games, and they just yep. haven't done that this year in general, actually. So it was nice to see that, and it gives me a boat of confidence in them uh, moving forward. Like you said, obviously they're going to have tests, uh, further tests, like you said, but this is a good step in the right direction for the Dolphins. Agreed. Your fraud of the week. My fraud of the week. Uh, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Indianapolis Colts. Interesting. I went a different way, so I'll let you start. The Jaguars, I think, are just kind of a zombie team. They're dead man walking. Um, They got pumped by the Bucs. Their team, they're going to make the playoffs because the rest of the division stinks. I mean, are they, though? They're all tied at 8-7. and Are they making the playoffs? You watch that Colts team play, get pumped by the Falcons, and you think that that's a team that can compete? I, oh, I mean, they don't have to compete. There's two games left, and some teams got to win them. Yeah, but them and then the, the Texans now, without it, without say C.J. Stroud doesn't come back. I have He's zero. He's already back in practice. He cleared protocol. Yeah. I don't Look, know. I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you because I think the Jags have an easier last couple games than both of those teams do. Yeah, Panthers, Titans, whereas the other two have to play each other. And I think the Texans play – they oh, they play Titans. So, I mean, I think it's still anybody's thing. Yeah, but more my point, actually, 
as I'm justifying them being a for sure playoff team is my next. The point I'm trying to make is they're one of the teams that are in this playoff hunt that I can't. I am now grouping into the cannot see them winning a Super Bowl or going to a Super Bowl. Um, too many flaws, too many injuries. Trevor Lawrence continue feels like he gets hurt every week now. Yep. A different part is hurting. Um, so I just think they're in kind of we're going to make the playoffs. We might win one game. Uh, and then let's get Trevor Lawrence healthy and go back at it next year. Uh, for the Colts, I don't know. You lose like that to a team like the Falcons. I know they're kind of fighting for their lives. Uh, so they're ha- we're going to give you everything that they had. But the way that that offense looked against a mediocre at-best Falcons defense, I mean, they couldn't move the ball. And that's just not going to cut it. I don't know. They kind of move into my – I said last week how I think they might be not like for real playoff team that can win a game. I think they're kind of in my one and done. If they make it, they're just they're just not going to win. They just don't have it. <laughs> it sounds like a totally different tune than what I said last week. Uh, we kind of sung Gardner Menchie's praises last week, but I'm going to kind of take the other horse and say – I don't think he can get this done. I don't think he can win a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, I I know we just debated on who's going to win this division, but I, I do agree with kind of the points you're making there. The The Jags have what's left of Trevor Lawrence. Is an ankle fucked up? Is a shoulder fucked up? Is he in concussion protocol? God knows what else he's dealing with because you're right. He seems to get hurt every single week. Christian Kirk, dead. Calvin Ridley was not the Calvin Ridley that – we thought was going to come back. And then I guess maybe some people, I think yourself included, never really thought that the, the old Calvin Ridley was coming back. He's not been great. ETN has cooled off after that scorching kind of middle of the season that he put together. The defense is all right. Kind of going off of going as far as Josh Allen can take them. But yeah, I mean, one of those teams has to win the division. So we'll yeah. see what happens. But I, I do agree with you in the sense that we we like making fun of the NFC South. The AFC South is not much better. No. In terms of having that top end team. My yeah. Thought, yeah. I, I don't know. Which one would you say is the worst? Just the NFC South? I'll still go with the NFC South. Yeah. Um just because maybe they do include Carolina. Mm, that's and true. There's some free wins there, whereas at least the other guys had to scrap against the Titans in games, but yeah, I'd agree. Uh, my, my fraud of the week, and thankfully we're doing this on a Wednesday and not one of the earlier days because I would have had to go with a different one, is Russell Wilson. Comes oh, out boy. today that he is getting benched for Jared Stidham. And while officially they're calling it a – this is a win-now move, which 50-50 if I believe if it is or isn't. But I was looking at some of the financial implications. I don't know if you saw these, where if Russell Wilson yeah. – is Russell or Russell Wilson is owed $38 million as things stand yep. for next season. If he can't pass a physical on March 1st or April, I don't know what the, what the date was, but if he can't pass a physical in the off season, he is owed an additional $36 million. I'm not sure why the contract is structured that way, but that's how it is. And so, and part of the reporting was, listen, we're, we're probably dead already anyway. Let's not, strap ourselves and put ourselves in a position where we're screwed next year financially with Russell Wilson's dead body attached to us. And so he's getting benched. 
Um, we've talked about the, that fractured relationship between himself and Sean Payton when yeah, Payton, yeah. when Payton yelled at him in Detroit after that fake offsides call. We've we've talked about the the is Russ cooking or is he back? Is he not back? I'm pretty sure if you look at his stats, he's not even that bad this year. I think he's taking care of the ball decently well. Has got a decent amount of touchdowns. All of them seem to be to Cortland Sutton, and we'll we'll see what happens. But it it is kind of looking maybe more and more likely like Russell Wilson will not be on the Denver Broncos in 2024. Yeah, I, I don't know. As as hard to root for and as mediocre at best as his you know career in Denver has been. Has he really been that bad that he deserved it? Like, no. I think this is Sean Payton. This is a okay. Sean oh, I completely agree. And it, it and it's an egotistical coach with an egotistical player who are each going to point fingers at each other yep. because neither wants to take responsibility for their failures. And I think the obviously the coach gets the end and say, and that's this yep. is the result. I'll read you. You mentioned some cap stuff. Uh, so if they cut him, they owe him thirty nine million dollars. Um, however, what that would come with is, uh, it'd be an $85 million dead cap hit. Okay. That'd be a third of the salary cap would be spent on dead cap on Russell Wilson. Hey, sometimes you got to take one of those years. Yeah, that's, uh, no team can afford that. We'll just say that. Yep. Well, uh, into more uh, happy history, we talked about some some sad history the Detroit uh, sports teams made over the holiday break. But the Detroit Lions, for the first time in 30 years, are NFC North champions. Well, I guess division champions because the NFC North didn't start existing till like 2002. So, um, but yeah, they win 30 to 24. Uh, over the Minnesota Vikings, clinching their spot. They're 11 and four. Uh, They'll be hosting Ford Field's first home playoff game since it opened in 2002. A lot of like stats get thrown around. Like, like you see what such a loser organization the Lions are. Uh, I don't know. They're happy stats to me. I'm happy that this is a thing, you know. You don't hang banners over Divisions 1, but for the Lions, this is a huge deal. Um, I'm not talking about the game or what I saw yet. I'm just saying from the principle of Dan Campbell was a member of that 0-16 team and to come in here and completely change the culture. We'll talk about some things that he's done wrong and on the actual X's and O's and on the field. Um, but as far as a culture standpoint, to come in here uh, and get this done the way they have has been remarkable and it's been so much fun to watch as a fan. Yeah, um, and the only thing I'll kind of say, and maybe this is a, I don't, not, not a loser mentality, but just like a comparison is a thief of joy mentality. I'm, I'm glad it happened, but the expectation was to win this division at the start of the year. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and go parading through the streets as some fans were and are, because yeah, cool. You want to, it's not like you beat out the Buffalo Bills for a division. Your division sucks. So yep. let's not pretend like this is the greatest achievement of all time. You're right. It's it, it's nice to finally get that demon out of the closet. It's nice to be able to prove that you can do it. It's, it's nice that you're going to get to play a nice little playoff game indoors, and you're probably going to have the most hostile environment that 
we can fathom or that definitely will be a, a part of the first round wild card weekend if we even play. Philly. Nah. Disagree. Just because of how or how little this has happened to Detroit, I think the Detroit fans will be louder and more hostile than a Philadelphia team. Um, inside, also, too. What? I said oh, inside that's helpful. Yeah, that's the other thing. Sound, the sound can't go anywhere. It's got to come right back down. So that that's cool, but I want more. And like maybe this is the comparison is the FIFA joy where like I should be happier about this than I am. But for me, a division title of t- beating teams who can't get to 500, that's not enough. They go go win a playoff game, and this will kind of take me into the thing or to the actual game. I'm very scared of whoever we're gonna have to play. Yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to be get the happy stuff out of the way because, and I feel like people who listen to this that are Lions fans have probably just wanted to bang their head on their steering wheel listening to this, watching, listening us talk about how much or the lack of faith we have in this team and how much this team drives us crazy while they're set 11-4 and record and winning a division. But they continue to struggle in situations and moments that are going to be critical come playoff time. And that was, I can't remember what day it is now, that Saturday was just another prime example of that. They were a competent quarterback away from losing that game. They were uh I mean me in the backyard using too big of a football for my hand duck thrown yeah. by Nick Mullins away from losing that. Yeah, no, forget about like you say competent quarterback. For, they're one play away from losing that game. Yeah. Uh, I mean Nick Mullins donated four turnovers to the Detroit Lions. And somehow we still ended up at a place where we were all biting our nails at the end of a football game. He threw for 400 yards. He threw for, I mean, they were kind of playing catch up and our secondary is so bad and our pass rush is so non-existent that I expect people to throw 400 yards. But no, if Nick Mullins isn't the worst quarterback I've ever seen, we lose that game. If Nick Mullins doesn't get Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson hurt, we lose that game. With his his I don't know if you kind of paying attention. He was throwing hospital pass after hospital pass. Yeah, he got he, was. T, he got T.J. Hawkinson's knee blow out blown out. So now T.J. Hawkinson can't play meaningful football till 2025. <laughs> it's so funny too because I feel like every jump ball he threw was just a suicide pass in the air that was either getting a receiver blown up or picked off. Yeah, no, um, was, he's terrible. Yeah, but the, the defense again. W- w- I, if you're forcing your offense to have to score 30 points to win a yeah. game, you're not going to win a game when the teams that you're playing against are better. And when you're starting to play against better defenses, who might not give up 30 points? This Our defense is pathetic. The secondary is pathetic. Now, I understand just, Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. Cam Sutton, who was supposed to be our big free agent signing, our marquee best corner, he couldn't find Justin Jefferson with a map if he if, yeah. if he tried. Some of those routes that Jefferson was running on him were outraged. And again, it's the best receiver in football we're talking about. I get it. But come on. Yeah. The pass rush. The only time they could get to Nick Mullins is when he had to set is when Aaron Glenn sent the house. Yeah. Our pass rush, if we're rushing four, we cannot get to a quarterback. We can't. Aiden Hutchinson is not good enough. 
Josh Paschal is dead. Aleem McNeil is dead. James Houston, I don't know if he's playing or not. He was supposed to be back, but I haven't seen him. No. Who's, who's hitting the other team's quarterback? No, and it's not even like they don't stop. The, they don't really – it was actually better against Minnesota, but they don't stop the run well, which sets up the secondary to get torched. And then, like you said, the pressure kind of just comes and goes. And you're relying essentially on your offense to play a perfect game. Yes. And they're just not going to be able to play a perfect game. They're going to score on everybody. They're going to score 17-plus on pretty much – even in a playoff game, they should be able to score – they're just that good. Ben Johnson's that good of a coach. I know we've been critical uh, over the past month of him not making certain adjustments, but overall, the body of work of the season, the offense is good enough to score on anybody, but they're not good enough to play perfect games against the 49ers. The Cowboys defense that you watched only give up 22 points to the Miami. The Philadelphia Eagles. The Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. It's that. I don't know. Do you I trust think... this team to even win one playoff game? If they end up getting, let's say, let's say they get the two seed and they're playing Seattle at home. I trust, them, trust to beat... them to win that game. So I trust them to beat Seattle. Let me, let me put it this way. I maybe trust isn't the right word. Given the atmosphere, given what will be on the line, I believe they will win that first game. Yeah. But I am petrified of actually watching that game. Yeah. I, I am going under the assumption, the hypothetical world that we lose to Dallas. You are probably looking at the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford coming home. That, forget about the Matthew Stafford destiny part. That offense with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams. And Stafford. And a good Matthew Stafford. Not a great Matthew Stafford. He's a, he's a good quarterback. Coupled with the fact that, is their defense great? No. But if their offense is scoring on every possession, they don't have to be great. They got to stop us once or twice. Then you factor in that that would be my biggest nightmare as a Lions fan is you finally get there. You finally do it. It finally looks like you have this culture of winning and that you're going to sustain this. And what is in your way? Matthew Stafford. I couldn't, I I can't bear it. It's just, I'd rather lose to Pete Carroll chomping on his gum. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's funny because we're sitting here with this type of like, I don't say atmosphere, but this type of rhetoric surrounding this team. And like you said, they're 11 and four and people are probably banging their heads against the wall saying, why are you guys so negative? Why are you so negative? Look, I call it as I see it. This, this is not a team that can win a road playoff game. In my opinion, this is not a team that can make a Super Bowl. in my opinion. And this is a team that scares me in a home playoff game, in my opinion, as I watch our defense play football or lack thereof and just chase the other team's guy who has who happens to have the ball in his hand on that play. I am 
I am look, I am so happy that they won a division. That atmosphere is going to be great. That's going to be an absurdly loud crowd, and I, I look forward to hearing how loud it is through like through the TV. But I can't guarantee a playoff victory. Yeah. Now with that defense. Now, what if they come out and win 34-24 on Saturday? And, also, and they beat Minnesota. I'll, I'll just close it with that. I mean, the vibes will be at an all-time high. We talk about vibes. Um, I Honestly, that's not going to change much for me in terms of the first game. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I would expect them to win it against Seattle, the Rams, or whatever team backdoors their way into the seventh seed. I would expect them to win it. But what it would set us up for is that second game where instead of us going to Philadelphia, they come to us, and that's where shit really changes. That's where I can sit there and start theory crafting a way where we end up in an NFC title game. Yeah, I, I just like – I'm kind of dumb fan-brained myself to the point where – I think we're just kind of right in the middle in terms of these this playoff picture in the NFC. I think we can I think we have a good chance against any of those wild card teams you just named and I think we don't have any chance against the three big dogs in the Eagles, Cowboys and 49ers. Well, again, the, the I know they both look more no, Here and this is what I'll say. If it's a home game, I can theory craft and I can do some mental gymnastics where I can convince myself that yes, if Philadelphia comes to Detroit, I can see a path where we beat him. Or if Dallas comes to Detroit. Or God forbid, if somehow San Francisco's got to come to Detroit for an NFC title game. I can theory... Actually, not if San Francisco does. But... <laughs> San, like, you just wouldn't be able... We're not... McCaffrey would run for you. I, I, yeah. I, I, in no world do I believe we can beat the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I, but again, I'm going to go back to the Philadelphia example because we've talked about how vulnerable they look. And they look vulnerable again this week. If if pass interference on Hail Marys was a thing, the Giants might still be playing an overtime game with the Eagles because James Bradbury tackled another human being with his back to the throw, and the rest yeah. just let it go. But that's not what we need to be talking about. I'm just saying th- the Eagles are vulnerable. If we can somehow beat this Cowboys team, which coming off of back-to-back losses, one embarrassing and one heartbreaking, I'm scared of playing them because they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. If they if the, if the Detroit Lions can get a two seed, I give us I, I think there's a realistic possibility they end up in an NFC title game. They end up with a three seed, no shot. They can't. Yeah. They, they cannot go into whatever the two seed is and beat them. What about a one seed? Again, if that happens, so be it. Then it'll it'll be the same thing. Uh, we'll, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the NFC title game and we'll lose to San Francisco in it, and it'll be really sad. <laughs> yeah. San Francisco's just too good. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, well, Brock Purdy just looked bad. Please point me to what what team in the NFC has Lamar Jackson and what team in the NFC has that defense. Yeah. And no one's beating San Francisco. No one's beating San Francisco. So what are you going to do? Yeah, that's that's kind of, I think, where that's a good place to end, I think, for the Lions. Yeah. Um, no, it's, for those who made it this far, we are not this negative of human beings. We are excited that we get to watch meaningful football. It's something that we have not done, but we're scared. <laughs> yeah. All right. You just so, can't continue to do this to us, Lions. Yeah. Even when you're good. 
from myself, I wish everyone a happy holidays and go Lions. Boop, 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 boop.